You're listening to the Hotel Moment Podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to Hotel Moment. Today we're joined by David. David, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes, I'm a long time, I like to call myself a hotelier, so I've managed hotels in New York City in the 90s and when the internet took off i moved to the tech side and launched one of the first online booking engines for independent hotels and really evolved eventually sold my one company to pegasus actually was ceo of pegasus for several years and when those as most of us know the company you know broke up in its three divisions and uh, did a lot of different ceo level roles whether it be uh, guest engagement apps or uh, voice assistants and things of that nature i've seen the history of <laughs> Hotel tech from 1999 to today and everything from what we're going through now to 9-11 living in New York. So it's it's been interesting to see how we're rebounding now slowly but surely. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, quite the the experience there. I may be a little biased myself, but once a hotelier, always a hotelier. We all get into the industry and we all had our different ways of how we got here into the industry. But whether you're on the supplier side or been a hotelier by trade, you all of us are impacted. Similarly, the luxury that both you and I share, of course, is from being on the ground, face-to-face with guests and uh, all of the um, variables, as we call it, that the industry throws at us. You never know what one day is going to bring from the next. We definitely know all the nuances and the, the joys of hospitality. And as a lot of people say, the uh, glutton for punishment that we enjoy. from this. So I would say with that, actually, so you mentioned too, you've been, of course, in the industry from the previous downturn through now and so seeing some of the nuances and differences. How have you seen it change and uh, the development happen here? I think like everyone, we've never seen what we've seen now across the board. So that's what's been really unique because this was really something that was global, not just a a domestic terrorist attack, 9-11, New York, which obviously affected the rest of the world, but mostly uh, the states. What we're seeing now is just really in certain areas, city centric, I was just in New York, really just trying to struggle to get back to some normalcy and trying to get back to some decent occupancy levels. And as everyone's focused on trying to get back to normal as quick as possible. Definitely. Well, and of course, we've seen that with STR, Co-Star Reports, as the team's been reporting there. New York is still in its downturn, starting to ramp back the right direction. San Francisco, a lot of the major cities are seeing this very similar aspect and uptake. Not everybody can be Miami um, exploding over there. But what have you heard from the industry leaders over in New York? How have you heard the recoveries coming and the, the outlook on that side? It, it's been slow. I, I was with a company that we were we were trying to partner with some hotels in New York and we couldn't give technology away because I you know, I had hoteliers that were saying, I don't have time yeah. to, <laughs> to open a box, plug something in, look at another screen. I think what's different is that <clears throat> New, York, New York, you look at it and What's different is hotels are actually closed still. And it's not just the hotels, it's actually other businesses in the city. So I was there just this past week. I visited family and then we went into New York City. And you you can see the people are there, but you can tell that it's not obviously the international travelers. You you can obviously, being a New York GM, you can just tell where the people are from. You can listen to people in the the elevator or the lobby. I, I think New York's still struggling, but you could definitely feel talking to Uber and Lyft drivers, taxi drivers, that it's slowly coming back. 
for sure. And that's a challenge, right? We're not seeing the BT recovery. We're not seeing the international travel. So both of those not there, we're focused on leisure um, and leisure right. destinations. And most people at this point have, a, as it's been, co of course, coined is the revenge travel happening, which typically is bringing most people to warmer climates, tropical destinations, going to resorts, uh, things like that. And New York, not quite known for the resort city. So probably partially why leisure travel isn't quite seeing the rebound there. And exactly to your point, most things aren't reopened just yet there. So we're seeing a little bit of that, that difference in influx. So with it from BT travel, have you heard anything on your side that is indicating that we're going to start trending that direction? People that I talk to, you can see that meeting and events are coming back the fourth quarter. We now actually have you know, hospitality trade shows. AHOA is live in, in, yep. in Dallas and high tech, you know, which is normally in June is going to be in September. So. You can see the the business travel is, is 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 coming back. Meetings and events are coming back. I think that we we learned that the hybrid approach can work, virtual and physical, but that the virtual alone is difficult. As I had a colleague say, it's very difficult on a virtual conference to uh, be asking somebody about their kids or things of that nature. Having a you're not having a drink with them and just being a little more you know personable. It's definitely headed in the right direction. But I know for me personally, my business travel. I'm normally on the road every week, and I think I had probably 14, 15 weeks where I had one one trip during COVID, but looking forward to get back on the road. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah, I've had a chance to travel a little bit myself as well in business, which has been nice. It, it is great to get out there and start doing it. And of course, us as industry folks, we need to be leading that charge. We need to be the first ones right. out there showing everybody else, hey, if we're out here traveling, if we know it's safe for everybody else to do it as well and, and help lead that rebound and that recharge. But you touched on a great point with the virtual hybrid events and the virtual hybrid meetings. Earlier, you mentioned too that folks aren't wanting to, are able to give us the time to focus on technology and those implementations. How have you seen that? that time, that dedication go towards vir virtual events though? And have you seen a adoption from the industry stronger towards that? Subset. I think what everyone is seeing is that all the events moving forward are, are really going to be a blend because there's going to be people, whether it be health concerns or, or what have you, that really just still aren't going to want to travel. So you really need to have that element so you can capture a complete audience. So those now are you know, more at risk and even if they're vaccinated, might not want to travel. And then I think to the other question, I think it's really just helping hotels understand how the technology will help them, especially with you know, labor shortages and as I said, I had a hotel I was trying to sell into, which just didn't have the time, but you really got to educate them on how some of these new technologies can actually help them with staffing issues or actually help them with just dealing with the guests that are actually you know, on property. So hoteliers are slow to change. The hotel industry is usually slower than airlines, but it's yeah. really, you know, if you can really work with them, explain to them how they can leverage the technology to market it to their guests, to make their guests feel more safe and feels if they're they're actually giving a good guest experience. I was just in New York and the you know, hotel wasn't busy, but as an XGM, I was like, why is the door open behind the front desk? The door should be closed. I just yeah. came in to get some bottled water and nobody made eye contact with me. There, with these probably a lot of new employees coming in, there's gonna have to be a lot of training and, and kind of a blending of this new wave of employees and technology. Yeah, definitely. And there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack there. From one standpoint, you look at technology and it's, the ability to do more with less. Exactly what you said, we don't have the staffing to uh, be able to help supplement a, a lot of those activities. So more technology can help with some. There's the other pieces too, where you look at it from the adoption standpoint, exactly what you said. And from my end, when I was a, a GM and a hotelier, installing digital key was one of those things where I was like, okay, cool, this is you know interesting, but 
people aren't really going to use. This isn't a technology that's really going to take off. And of course, then the concerns become of, well, how do I adjust and adopt to now? People aren't going to be stopping the front desk. They have a key. They can just go straight up to the room. How do I engage people differently? And then from there, it's one of those things that how do we now, you know, exactly the way you said, look at adopting more interest uh, in the field, but besides that, get more training because they look at the studies that have been done. It's about a third of hoteliers have left the industry. Um, are no longer there. So how do we now get the younger staff and the new staff, the new blood to be excited and be engaged? Yeah, no, I agree. Part of it's going to be, you've seen with some of the larger um, hotel groups offering sign-up bonuses and things of that nature. But yeah, to your point, it's really, it comes down to really marketing the technologies. If you're not, you know, letting guests know that you have the ability to download a mobile key or that you have say mobile check-in, if you're not marketing that the right way, whether it be a pre-state email or mm-hmm. you know, on your website, on your booking engine, this is where I think there's even in voice assistance, if you've got a room with a voice assistant, why isn't there a rate category yep. that lets the guest know that? So if that guest feels comfortable with having that in their room, they actually can book that room versus you know them checking in and getting assigned a room where they might not feel comfortable with that. Same thing with whether it be the mobile check-in. A lot of guests are really used to this coming from the airlines. So again, it's not as if this is something that we're asking, we're trying to retrain the behavior of the guest. The guest has just come from the airport where they basically, a lot of them have used, if you're waiting to board a plane, obviously we haven't been able to learn the group system. So people in group eight are in the front of the line, but I think it's a question of the guests already know this. So there's just a little yeah. bit of this fear and hospitality. Oh, it's going to take something away if the guest doesn't show up at the front desk. Yeah, I don't, I would hate it if I had to go to the, the gate and actually check in with the agent at the airport. I wouldn't want that. So why wouldn't a guest want mobile check-in? And yeah, I can see again, mobile key is a question of, does it work? It's pretty plain and simple. If it works, it's great. It's great for the guest. It's great for the hotel. If it doesn't work, then it's not a great experience. And I think the technology has evolved enough where it can be seamless and the, the front desk agent or the hotel staff can spend time on doing things that enhance the guest stay. Cause most of the time you and I know when we check in, it's basically, they ask you if you're checking in, even though you're standing there with your bags, they ask you for your ID, your credit yeah. card. Yeah. And they basically, they do a couple of things and they hand you keys and very rarely do they engage you or ask you if you need restaurant reservations or if you stayed here before, if you've been in the city yeah. before. For me, I think there's a little bit of this over sensitivity about, you know, skipping the front desk. Oh, for sure. It could be, uh, and in some ways that's very um, transactional in some of that experience, right? But in hospitality, hoteliers, we always look at how many touch points can we have? How many areas can we make sure to provide that experience from yourself being a GM? Do you have any uh, fun stories or any previous items that you've held, uh, done, or guest experience items that you, you've encountered uh, as a GM? Probably the funniest, <clears throat> I'll tell a quick funny story because I usually tell people that I was the first hotel with uh, contactless elevators. And basically what happened, we opened a hotel in New York City. Uh, the elevators were broken down. It was the opening week. The owner didn't have a contract with an elevator company. So his solution was he had owned apartment buildings in New Jersey. He actually put a laborer on top of the elevator. And when guests got in the elevator, we would tell them, say, Mendoza, fifth floor. And he would manually take the elevator up and they wouldn't have to touch any of the buttons. So this went on for a couple of days. Um, and then it was funny, we fixed it and then we had guests going in the elevator and, and saying, Mendoza, yeah. fifth floor, and yeah. we have to yell, yell down and say, hey, the elevator. So back then, we would have known funny. that however many years later, we'd be talking about elevators where you can just talk to the elevator and yep. and things of that nature. But I, you know, when I was a GM, our whole my whole focus was about 
the guest experience. So everything from eye contact, the bellman opening or the doorman opening the door, the front desk agent not making it. We used to pre-assign rooms and make the expedite the process because I can't stand when I go to check in and they're fumbling to assign me a room when they probably had 10 minutes where nobody was at the desk and they could have you know, started assigning it. And even on reservations, when we would check availability, we would say, let, let, while we check, while I'm checking availability, let me tell you a little bit about the property and where we're located. So this is back in the 90s, but we always tried to to make our hotel be unique and stand out and make the guests feel like we cared about them and we're giving them valuable information. Oh, for sure. That's one thing as hoteliers, we definitely learn how to multitask. You yeah. learn that very quickly. So yeah, definitely. And it's one of those things. So when we look at the future of hospitality, future of technology, to your point, contactless communication with an elevator may not be too far outside of the realm of possibility. I know, goodness, probably five, six years ago, I stayed at the high regency in Vancouver. That's one of those ones where it's contactless elevator where you walk up, you just press what floor you're heading to, and it'll tell you which elevator to go to. It takes you right there. Still weirdest thing, weirdest experience I first had it when I was like, I don't, what do you mean? I don't have any buttons. Like, what happens if something goes wrong? What do I do? It brings you out of your nature, right? It brings you out of your nuances that you're used to in your life and you go through each step and that that's just how things go. But with technology, you touched on the ability to use voice looking at contactless opportunities. What have you heard on your side for what's the leading option? What's the leading factor that you've heard from whether it's hotel side and from selling to hotels, what they're interested in or uh, to the other aspects of what you hear guests saying. And uh, yeah, so it's very interesting because I think it's a complete mixed bag because I think there's younger hoteliers who adopt certain technology versus older hoteliers. There's, I've had ownership groups who asset managers who've just said, we don't care. The guest is going to travel, whether it's contactlessness or not. If they're going to travel, they're yeah. going to travel. Uh, I don't believe that's a hundred percent true. And I believe you can add value. So I think it's mixed, but I think when you look at it at the end of the day, you know, the one thing that's in common across all of our customers is their phone. And so I think whoever's playing well and, and delivering value through the guest own device for the most part. Now, there's other values, the elevator, there's in-room voice assistance, there's other things that add value. But I think whoever's doing the best job on that person's individual device where they don't have to necessarily learn something new or learn how to work something different. And again, voice can be different because it's just voice, but if it's not done right and the device can't understand you, if you have maybe a you know thick accent or things of that nature. So I think whoever does the, the personal, the phone device for the guest, that's who's going to, that's where it's a win-win for both sides. That's where I think the hotels win, the guests win. And yeah. you know, the, the, the outcome of that will be the, the, the vendor who provides the, the best technology there. For sure. That's the other piece of it is that a lot of the vendors have gotten to a point now where they tend to combine different areas. So whether it's a guest survey platform combining with a text messaging platform, for example, uh, where you can merge the best of both worlds and try to create that holistic omni-channel solution as it is and really just provide more options for hoteliers and going back to again the, the recurring thought here of having less time to do things for gms if you have one solution that can handle multiple aspects of different areas it, it provides a level of ability that's going to be leaps and bounds higher uh, than if you had to go and source each individual piece and set up each individual piece versus that one-stop shop uh, solution there so Definitely a lot of value there for that aspect. I think from the traveler, it's going to provide a level where they're able to have that comfort of saying, okay, cool, I can use my own personal phone to do X, Y, and Z. And it is that hotel development of making sure to push out that information and say, hey, we've invested this money into Digital Key, for example. 
are we marketing this correctly to make sure that people know about this as well? Because it's not just the cost behind and the infrastructure of installing these items, but also making sure guests know about it and can adopt it, not when they're at the desk and then say, oh, by the way, we have a digital key. You can download this and this is how you actually get into your room. That's sure. too late at that point. Yeah, and we've and I've joked around with certain companies. I really think what needs to happen in some cases are in our industry with vendors is they have to become a group of Avengers. So when you look at the Avengers <laughs> and you've got different superheroes, but they all work well together, hotels need that same thing. They need because there's segments that certain people do well. So whether it's messaging, it's mobile check-in, it's food and beverage ordering. So the challenge for the hotelier is, yes, I want all these things. Can I afford all these things? But how do I get all these things to work together? And traditionally hotels, they're too busy worrying about their guests and other things. So that's why I think this, a lot of the, the companies have to come together with this kind of Avengers mentality. It says, we're gonna come in and we're gonna, we're gonna solve all your problems together. It's gonna be four vendors but we already talked to each other, we work together, and here's how we, we help you solve these you know, five problems together. Because if you don't have, in some cases, if you don't have all those pieces, it doesn't make the, maybe one of the pieces as valuable as the group as a whole. Oh, for sure, for sure. And it's, it provides those additional touch points, provides that additional ability to do more, essentially. Right. And it's the value of being able to say, okay, cool, I have one solution here that can take care of all of these items and, and really you know, it provides that ability to have the focus on that guest experience, like you said, and right, uh, right. Th those guests that are coming. Ultimately, going back to your earlier uh, point of looking at management companies who say people are just going to travel. Yes, they are going to travel. It's very true. You have properties, uh, again, looking at Miami, who their hotels are sold out left right, and right. right. People are just looking for the best deal at this point to see what you can get for you and your family. And then there's other places where, you know, again, back to New York where they don't have as much ability, much travel as much. So a focus there becomes, how do you differentiate yourself? How do you build those value touch points of, if you are in that Miami market, for example, how do you put yourself to say why you should pay more for one hotel versus the other? And if you don't have those technology touch points, that's one less reason why you should pay more. Even the breakfast, the free breakfast conversation is a huge thing nowadays. Most brands are now pulling away and say, our select service properties, you don't receive free breakfast. And Hilton, for example, said, unless you're in the uh, was it L LXR or Waldorf Astoria's or their, their top level uh, brands, you don't receive breakfast. Breakfast is an option. Looking at that, have you heard any kind of pushback on that side or any conversations of other brands or other, even the independent boutiques, uh, looking at those options to pull away different amenities? Yeah, a couple of things there. Yeah, it, it can factor into decisions for the guests. So my last, my last role are the property we used by our offices was a Marriott. So okay. I ended up becoming uh, Marriott Platinum. I was looking to go to New York. I won't say the hotel, but when I called up, they said, oh, well, just a couple things. The lounge is closed for Platinum members. And I'm thinking like, okay, well, that's weird. Like it's now, like I get it, but it's, you know, we're, it's July. Uh, I understand occupancies, things of that nature, but you would think you wouldn't want um, to take that amenity away from your top tier customers. Yep. And then second, you mentioned it earlier, there not being any resorts in New York, but I can tell you being an ex New York City GM that it drives me crazy when I see facility fees uh, in New York City. I was looking at a hotel that was charging, they were charging $46 a night for facility fees. And mm -hmm. this is where, and, and the in, I stayed in an independent hotel on this last trip and they had a fee, but they waived it and they made sure that you knew that the fee was waived, which was smart. So I think if I were in New York City properties, I would rethink not only some of the things that some of the brands are taking away, but 
I've been thinking through why are we charging these fees? Let's just charge a rate. Let's just make the rate be the rate. If you're basically going to charge me a facility fee in a New York City property, you just, you feel like you're being conned. I mean, I do, and I'm in the business. So. Yeah, right. Well, and that's a great point too. As we've looked at with more of the, I'll say less seasoned travelers, as they've been traveling more, more of this conversation has been coming up in the media, especially like you look at Las Vegas, for example, was up recently about the resort fees and how some actually places were up their resort fees since then. And right. the conversation became, well, what are you getting for the resort fee? Because a lot of the amenities are still closed or are just starting to reopen or the restrictions on this, that, and the other as things have now started reopening that has become a little less of a hot point, but the underlying tone is still there of you know, exactly to your point, what are we charging fees for if these things aren't open to you exactly back to that point again with the, the New York property there um, is that the restaurant was closed with the restaurant closed and not having access to the concierge amenities, things like that, where you've spent your time with your status, you're re-traveling, but now you're being penalized uh, because of it. Yeah. I think when you start to, when you start to take the position that your guests are stupid and they won't realize yeah. they'll book your r lower rate than a comp, but you're going to ding them on a resort fee. Then you start to look stupid because most travelers, you know, they're not stupid. They know now what to look for with airlines and baggage fees. And it's, yeah, to me, I think with some of those things, it really, you start to, if I was running a property today, I would think, what am I really getting from that facility fee or resort fee versus just putting it into my rate and maybe even making it clear when get the guests are booking through the booking engine that like, hey, we have the lowest facility fee in New York City or we, you know, something just to highlight it because yeah. again, if you look at booking engines and and hotels, it hasn't been, you know, in the last 10 years, there's been very little change and hotels, especially independent hotels, independent hotels haven't done a good job leveraging new technology where they can versus a branded property. But the branded properties are still selling rooms like they're a travel agent with 18 room types and six rate plans. And it's just simplified. The OTAs don't do it. And when you go to Expedia, you don't get or booking.com, you don't get this laundry list of you go to some of the brands and you can see that they've got eight, 10 room categories and six rate plans. And you just ask yourself, you know, it's 2021. They really haven't figured out a better way to sort this and make it easier for the guests to book. That's exactly. Yeah. And I was just thinking back to my last, one of my last properties I was at, and uh, I think we had eight different room types and then a, an initiative came out from the brand to do premium upgrades for all of those room types. Yeah. Uh, so then you're adding, building all new room types for all these. And then of course, building different rate plans from a BT standpoint, then you're negotiating through on, do you want upgraded room types? Do you not want upgraded room types? Do you want suites as well? You're, right. you're starting to build out all these uh, different areas and levels. But one item you mentioned there too, was looking at different ways to highlight those fees. And what do those fees mean? When you look at it from a, a standpoint nowadays too, I've seen uh, pictures of people posting online COVID fees. There's a COVID fee yep. because they're saying that's, well, that's for the restaurant, for example, to offset the cost of labor increases and costs that they have to pay now more hourly wages to provide a uh, sustainable living wage uh, for uh, their employees. And uh, beyond just focusing on tips and hourly wage, so it's costing them more to do what their business is. But that really leads to the bigger underlying conversation we've had quite a bit, which is the staffing crisis. Um, looking at the staffing challenges on your side, have you heard much or seen much on your side in conversations about how this is impacting hotels? Yeah, no, it's a little bit just too much common sense. If you're a housekeeper and you can stay at home and not work and make close to or more money by not doing that, um, then yeah, you're probably going to stay home. And I, I know 
it's tough. It's a tough industry because especially now then we look at some of the mid-level managers in our industry that are leaving. And a lot of it's because it's not what they signed up for. Yeah, they, we all understand it's COVID, but you know, when you've got a GM or a front office manager who's now actually checking in people or answering the phone or having to help clean rooms because there's not enough people to clean rooms, that's what's also driving away. It's not The job's not what the job is. I, I thought I was going to be doing, doing this and now I'm doing six different things. So I think the only way we can do that is to make sure that we're paying. It's going to cost the hotel, but it's not as if, you know, I, I worked for hotels and we had great years and nobody yeah. saw any of it other than the ownership management and entry line workers didn't. So I think there's going to have to be this kind of take a step back and look about and say, how do we retain employees? How do we really, how do we keep employees? How do we monitor who our best employees are? So we make sure those are the ones that we actually want to keep. I don't think the industry does a very good job of of doing that and knowing what's going on with their employees. And then on the other question, we went to dinner here locally in Phoenix and there was a COVID charge. And it wasn't that there was a charge that was the problem. It was the problem was that the management didn't really train the server on how to explain that. It was, again, it was almost like this, are they stupid enough not to see it, just to sign off on it? It's like when you're yeah. a party with six or more, yep. and you forget that, that you forget and they don't tell you, oh, the gratuity's already been added. And, the next thing you know, you get home and you're like, wait, they already, we, I, I left, I left a 50% or you know, 40% tip. Yeah. I think, you know, there's ways to do that and give people the option. Give, you know, Hey, the ownership went through a rough time. If, if you'd like to add an additional gratuity that goes towards whatever it is, but at least be transparent and have a story. You can't just put something on a, you can't just hire an employee and expect them to stay. I think you know, as an industry, we need to do a better job of, of telling the story, whether either it's to our guest, why we're charging certain things or to our staff, why you should come join and work for our, our hotel or our management company or ownership group. Oh, for sure. For sure. No, that's a great point. It's, as you said, travelers aren't stupid. It's educating our travel. That's what it comes down to is, are we doing enough to educate and make sure we're passing on why we're doing different things or why certain initiatives are happening? That's exactly what it comes down to. And in the end, there's been some different takes on it. I had a panel I was with at one point in time listening to for some industry leaders and they had talked about for this management group that their whole focus was, hey, back to your point, the mid-level managers and the managers on the team saying, hey, stick with us, let's get through COVID, let's get through all of this. Um, and at the end, when this is all said and done, we're gonna go ahead and focus on bringing staff in and we're gonna get everything back to normal. That hasn't come to fruition because now we're out of everything, our travel's recovered, but we can't find the bodies to come back to work. And um, right. I mean, that becomes the challenge on their side is, well, we didn't you know, want to do this. Like we wanted to reward our staff and help that. And, and since then they've taken the initiative too, of sending their upper level managers and saying, hey, great that you have been on our team as a leader above property. Guess what? You're heading back to the property. You're going to help. You're going to help in housekeeping. You're going to help in different areas. Other, it goes to the airlines too. I think uh, Delta and Alaska for our Delta and American, uh, for example, said, hey, you guys here in the corporate offices need to go out to the airport and help out um, and spend some time out there as well in the field. Um, so it's really reinventing how they utilize that as well. And I think is a big piece of it is showing that even if you're the CEO or a VP of a company that you also will get down in the trenches, you'll get out there and, and do that, whether GM level included. It's really about how are we making sure that we're giving back to those employees who have stuck out. And uh, with that, since we are nearing the end of our time here, I did want to say if you could leave us with a, a few touch points to fin finish things on a positive note and looking ahead, any feedback to or advice you could share from your level from both uh, vendor as well as when you were a GM and kind of take it from there. 
I think with anything, that the best thing to do with any experience is to learn from it. And so what you were just saying, if you really take a step back and think about it, why did it take a pandemic for upper level managers to get involved or once a quarter, you know, work a front desk shift or just spend a couple hours at the front desk to understand and have and help keep that connection between upper management ownership and the, the line employees. And I know a big uh, casino group that one of they're having their executives work the shifts, just like you said. So I think after the recession, I took it to run my businesses leaner than I had in the past. I had gotten a little bit lazy and maybe hired where I didn't have to hire or maybe spent certain things. And after that, I said, look, we have to run this. There's going to be another recession next month or there's going to be another pandemic. So I think the, the worst mistake we can all make is to sit back and think that, oh, we're on the road to recovery and there's no other, <laughs> that, that's just it. We're getting healthy again. I think we have to look at this and say, hey, let's make sure we do whatever we can learn from this to make sure that we're better in the future. So that would be my, my takeaway. When it comes to technology, I really just think, you know, hotels really should be just looking at everything. It's tough being a salesperson right now selling into hotels because we understand they're short staff, whether it be podcasts like this or you know, other videos that some of these technology vendors are showing how their solutions work. They, yeah. they really need to be this, hey, I'm going to take a half hour, out of, an hour out of every week and look at what's out there to see if it might make sense for my property. I think it's just thinking that way also rather than just saying, oh, wow, it's going to be August in a couple of weeks. I, I knew I wanted to look at mobile key or texting platform and I haven't gotten to it. They really have to just make a decision to focus on doing some of the homework on these solutions. Oh, for sure. And that's a great point. It's two parts, right? I mean, it's how do we look at what we have going on now and how can we do better and do more? But the second part of it too is as a hotelier, my thought was, okay, cool. I'm in July right now. I have August, a little bit of September, and then things go back to being quiet again. Uh, it's that craziness uh, of the season as it is. The hope is, and the thought is, of course, as we continue through this, it's going to continue going. Maybe it'll taper off the leisure side. We'll get some more experienced travelers, to your point, BT bouncing back and uh, starting to see Q4 ramp up, correct? Which the challenge is, if we're not doing anything to adjust to adjust and address it now, the staffing is magically going to show up at the, and be at a level where we can sustain. Yes, we're running leaner, but are we also taking the right steps to provide technology aspects and other areas to make sure that those people that are showing up for work as it is are showing up and have the tools and the ability to get things done. So David, appreciate the insight and feedback. And it's been awesome talking with you. So for those, of course, listening in, we can always have our uh, weekly hotel moment podcast. So definitely feel free to join us anytime. And David, always a pleasure. So thank you again for the time. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Hotel Moment Podcast. For more information, visit gomoment.com slash podcast.